Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. This meeting is now being recorded. Meeting in progress. In session. <gasps> Persis. Abraham. Um, I am drinking a little seltzer. Oh, yeah. It's just one of those days. Yeah, you had a day? You know what? I didn't really have that much of a day, but, you know, my days lately just all kind of feel like days, if that makes sense. So every day is a seltzer day for me. And also you're getting ready for a move. Like, I think your mind is probably just... <clears throat> what What's happening? Did you hear the... Are you do- sick? Did you hear the... Do- <laughs> <laughs> a demon <laughs> you should play it back right now but like slow down the, t- <laughs> the tempo <laughs> for those of you who don't know fun fact there's a demon that lives in my body and yeah. everyone knows it everyone knows oh so they know so sometimes yeah, of course of course Sometimes she comes out to play. To play? But only when you're talking about me. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, Purse, we have to start off this episode with something special. Yes, I'm I'm so so excited. excited. (laughs) Okay, so a few episodes back, we talked about fan fiction and the role that fanfic plays in the queer community. We asked you guys, our favorite people in the world, if any of you wanted to write fanfic about us, then you were more than welcome to. And we got some, and we read them for you guys on the next episode after that one, which was, if you guys want to hear them, it was the episode, our top 10 queer artists. Um, it was just like a few episodes back. And anyway, someone wrote a sequel to the fanfic that they wrote for us. I was so happy when I saw that email come through. You have no idea how excited i was so our listener told us we gave her a code name when we read out her fanfic but she messaged us and said we are more than welcome to use her real name so janie shout out to janie she is an avid listener we love her and she wrote us a sequel and we wanted to read it for you guys but with a fun little twist i have not seen it yet not even a single word and persis you have yeah, I jumped the gun, and once I saw that come through, Janie, I was like, I need to read it, but Sarah hasn't hasn't read it at all yet, so it's going to be a live reaction from Sarah, and I cannot wait. I'm, like, gearing up for a spit take, like a real spit take with my seltzer that I'm drinking. So the story is called 
Saren Purse versus the World by Janie. Okay, let's do it. Ready? I'm scared. Heaven. Sarah felt as though she were on cloud nine, or should she say cloud 19, as she lay curled on her side, head in her lover's lap. Though she was passionate about her line of work and life in general, it all seemed dull in comparison to her new favorite activity, soaking up every last drop of Persis's attention. Sarah was completely astounded by the idea that there had once been a period in her life, not too long ago in fact, in which she hadn't yearned for Persis's sensual feminine touch every second of every day. Yeah, Scott, this one like dove right in. It it really did. No holding back here. Yeah, truly. Regardless, she had a taste for the cherry now, and there was no going back. Oh, okay, okay. I'm gonna love the demi reference. Sarah was hooked, and she wouldn't settle for anything less than her sexy fiance served up on a silver platter in her best lingerie. I forgot that we were engaged. I forgot about that part. We did get engaged on the mountain. It was almost noon, yet neither girl had made any sort of attempt to get up, both avoiding the thought of leaving the blissful comfort of the downy, cloud-like duvet and of one one another's affection. Sarah's third ever shift as a Lululemon writer had begun three hours ago, but despite her punctual nature, her carelessness felt nothing if not justified in this very moment. Girl, it's only my third day of work and I'm already slacking? Like That does not sound like me. That does not sound like Sarah. Okay. The two lovebirds had always had a special relationship, but something had changed since that day in the mountains. Sarah knew that she wasn't the only one feeling the air in the room practically buzzing, alive with possibility. Oh, I like that. I really like that sentence. Me too. Possibility too. She elbowed Persis to remind her to keep up the back scratches, but her boo reluctantly... (laughs) Withdrew her back scratching hand, the one with longer fingernails. Oh! <laughs> Damn, girl. Yes. Damn, I'm feeling yes, Jay. JV. Yes. <laughs> and gently lifted Sarah's head so she could slide out of bed. Come on, babe. I love you, but we both need to get a life, she said, tossing a pillow at Sarah. You are my life, bubs. Please don't make me go to work. <laughs> it's my third day. <laughs> The worst employee Employee ever. ever. (laughs) Are you hearing yourself right now? Three weeks ago, you could hardly wait to move away from me so you could start this job. And now you're too obsessed with me to even bother to show up at it. With a cheeky grin, she added in for good measure. I mean, I don't blame you for being so obsessed with me. But (laughs) first, you got real confident since the last time we uh, we met you in this uh, two part story, I know I was in the last in the last story. I was nervous. I was shaky. Yeah. I was fainting. Yeah. Now you're like, why are you so obsessed with me, Mariah Carey Styles? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Sarah's heart couldn't handle the sight of her beautiful golden retriever fiance standing there across the room, all crinkly eyes and rosy cheeks as she clutched another pillow to her chest in an obvious attempt to threaten Sarah out of bed with her sheer adorableness. Or wait, maybe her heart literally couldn't handle it. Sarah's eyes flew wide open as her hands clutched at her chest and... Nope, just some good old morning heartburn as a result of their wild evening together. 
Last night had been Taco Tuesday at their favorite taco joint, and Sarah could never pass up half-price Mexican. <laughs> okay, so I'm a horrible employee. I'm three days into my new job, and I'm not even, I haven't even started work, and I have heartburn from the Mexican A last night. So this is so hot. Okay. Anyways. Persa succeeded in luring her bay out of bed, but the pair barely made it past the door before their lips were touching again. <laughs> the two girls <laughs> giggling and stumbling out into the hallway. Every electric touch conveying so many words. <laughs> unspoken their attraction was practically magnetic and impossible to resist <laughs> Persis, with one final kiss pushed sarah away from her and steered her towards the bathroom girl take a shower and deal with that stank wait what this and now i smell bad too what I'll be out here drinking wine for breakfast and dancing to Brittany. The next time I see you, you'd better be dressed in business casual and smell somewhat less rancid. Oh my god. What? <laughs> yes, ma'am, she purred, disappearing behind the bathroom door. Girl, this <laughs> does not paint me in a nice light. It paints you in a great, like, I'm loving purses here. The energy I have is, like, incredible. Yeah, Jamie, you're like, shower, you. bitch. Yeah, I'm like, you stank. <laughs> by the time sarah left the apartment four hours had passed since her shift had begun yet happiness filled her like the warmth of a campfire and obliterated any anxiety she would normally have under the same circumstances although she had a car lulu headquarters was only a 10 minute walk from where they were living and on that particular day sarah was in the mood to slow down and smell the roses girl you're already four hours four late. hours late she was admiring the graffiti along the main drag when someone nearby called out no way sarah johnson she looked about trying to identify the speaker along the crowded street and then she spotted her a vaguely familiar looking girl about 16 or 17 stood by the opposite curb waving frantically oh no it was that girl the crazy one who dm'd the <laughs> their Instagram approximately 25 times a day. What was her name? Jocelyn? Jada? Jamie? No, it was Janie. <laughs> oh my god. Janie, come on, girl. You know I would never. Needless to, needless to say, Sarah panicked. She had to get away before the unhinged fangirl tried to approach her for a selfie or worse, a conversation. The girl was gesturing wildly and yelling, I will literally date you. I will, I will literally date either one of you guys. I will do whatever it takes to get your hand in marriage. No, please, wait, stop. Let me explain. I think we're meant to be. So Sarah did the only logical thing and ran, ran out into the street. Yeah, that clearly is the only logical thing. Um, this game plan did not work out well for her. A driver caught off guard, swerved, and bumped a cyclist who rammed straight into her and everything went black. Oh my god. When she finally opened her eyes, she was staring up at bright fluorescent lights, running along a stark white ceiling. A monitor beeped somewhere to her right and somebody was holding her hand. Sarah's heart filled with warmth as she squeezed her boo's hand and opened her eyes to see... Janie? <laughs> 
She gasped and yanked back her hand. What the hell are you doing here? The nurse, who had been standing quietly in the far corner of the room, spoke up in a heavy Boston accent. Oh, God. Okay, should I try this accent? The kid says she's your girlfriend. Is that true? Because <laughs> if it is, just know I got the police on speed dial. <laughs> Don't listen to her, baby. You know deep down we're meant to be, pleaded the groupie. Sarah, horrified, exclaimed, she's absolutely not my girlfriend. She's just some random kid off the street. I swear we've never met before. Well, I mean, apart from all those DMs and that one time during our Instagram live and the time she emailed us erotica to read on our podcast. But, well. Ma'am, how'd you do the Boston accent? <laughs> you can do it. You can, you can do it. <clears throat> Ma'am, I think we're going to have to get to police in for questioning. Stay right where you are. Kapow! Persis burst through the door, Karate Kid style, knocking down Janie and taking her place by Sarah's bedside. Wait, I can vouch for her. This is not Sarah's girlfriend. And then to the fangirl, she added in a low voice. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm, I'm her fiancé, bitch. Sarah fought Britney Spears and murdered Britney's father for me. So think long and hard before your next move. Jesus. <clears throat> It seemed that Persis had finally knocked some sense into the 16-year-old because Janie backed out of the hospital room with her hands above her head and she was never seen by them again, neither in person nor in their DMs. Oh, Janie. That's sad. Sarah turned to her savior. Holy shit, babe. Nice moves. I learned from only the best, my love. The two began to kiss before Sarah pulled away abruptly. Percy Buns, there's something you should know. You know you can tell me anything, babe. I know, but this could be a deal breaker. What is <laughs> What is it, my princess charming? There's no deal breaker in the world that could outweigh my love for you. Purse, I'm late, she blurted. Um, what do you mean you're late? I think you know what I'm talking about, Purse. She placed her hand over her stomach protectively. It's yours. The end. The end. <laughs> Always use protection, kids. <laughs> she literally added that footnote. Always use protection, kids. Wow. Wowie, wowie, wow. I just got to give that a slow clap because... Janie. I, I have to say, that was not what I expected. <laughs> I know. And honestly, like, when I read it for the first time, my instant thought was like, Oh my gosh, I was so happy when you told me you hadn't read it yet because I was like, we need your live reaction. I, um, listen, it painted me in a bit of a weird light and I'm not mad about it. I think it was fun. I'm really happy that we're having a baby, that I'm with child. I'm really happy about that. I'm not too happy that I was like, that I had like heartburn and ended up in the hospital and I'm like a horrible, horrible employee and that I smell really bad but um <laughs> other than all that I'm feeling great about it and the thing is it's, it what is really funny is that even just the thought of like Sarah being hours late for work because she's so in love I was like honestly that sounds like more of a me thing than a Sarah oh, thing yeah. that is not that's not even in my vocabulary it's not in the vocab y'all four hours have passed but she just wanted to stop and smell the roses I was like <laughs> That would be me. <laughs> Literally, you'd be smelling the roses. <laughs> wow, that was amazing. Thank you, Janie. I really have no words except for um, I can't wait to see what our child looks like. 
Me too. And honestly, your writing, once again, is just so good. It really is. It's very descriptive. Very, very descriptive. Yes. The golden retriever. <laughs> I'm, I would be like a golden retriever waiting for you. A little puppy. A little puppy. But um, honestly, guys, we love reading these fanfics. So if anyone else has any more fanfics, please send them away. We are truly like, or send them our way because we are truly obsessed with them. Um, also, guys, we put a little sh- a little uh, open call out on our Instagram. If anyone wants to share their coming out story with us, we would love to hear it. We're putting together a little special project, and we really want to include real coming out stories from you guys, from people you know. Um, you can send us your story um, by email if you'd like girlxgirlpodcast at gmail.com or you can even dm us on instagram at girlxgirlpodcast um and feel free to send like a like a um audio file if you want to speak your story or if you'd rather write it down that's totally cool we can read it out um and this is something we mentioned when we posted about this on instagram but we just want to acknowledge like we understand not every queer person has a coming out story Um, But we do, with this project we're working on, want to celebrate people who have come out Mm -hmm. and or just the concept of coming out being totally up for interpretation and coming out can mean so many different things to different people. And so whatever your coming out story is for you and if you want to share it with us um, to potentially be featured on a future episode, we would love, love, love to hear it. So send those in, babies. Yes, we can't wait. And you guys will see what's happening very soon. Chrissy, what are we talking about today? I think this topic was long overdue for us to talk about. Me too. Me too. I agree. Um, Sarah and I are going to be diving into internalized homophobia. What it is, different examples of it. Have we experienced it? Mm -hmm. All of that. And you know what? It is like a bit of a heavy topic. There's a lot to cover. but it's very real. And I find that there are so many people in the LGBTQIA plus community now who are so confident in in themselves and they know themselves, but internalized homophobia is still a constant thing that they have to deal with, or they feel like they might still have despite feeling like they're being their true authentic selves. So that's why I find it really fascinating. Yeah. And I think coming from the straight perspective, when people hear like internalized homophobia, I think they get kind of defensive. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not homophobic. What are you talking about? I love gay people. I'm not homophobic. But it's, I think the thing about internalized homophobia is it's act, that, that term is actually used more to talk about people who are queer mm-hmm. and the internalized hom- homophobia that queer people, queer people have. And so I think just like learning what it is and and how it's being interpreted, like that term internalized homophobia is helpful for straight people, especially to be like, it's not it, it's not saying you're a homophobic. It's saying that we all, no matter our sexual orientation, have internalized homophobia within us. All of us do in some in some small way. A hundred percent. And it's like the way we've grown up. It's the way society it's the society that we grew up in. It's the media that we've been, you know, we're influenced by all of that around us. So we soak all this information up without even realizing it. So it's kind yeah. of in us. And then it's our jobs to do the unlearning. Yes. To try and smash that. And I had to do a lot of the unlearning. And maybe I, I 
who knows? I mean, things, I'm not saying I'm like always super confident, but I actually do feel like I've done a lot to conquer my own internalized homophobia Yeah, over the past year. Yes. Yeah. I think you really have. And I think it's powerful to say as a queer person to say I have or have had internalized homophobia and here's what it sounded like and here's what I did to kind of unlearn it. But I think to start off this conversation, let's just, there might be a few people who are listening and they're like, what are you guys talking about? Like, what is internalized homophobia? And that's fair because I only learned about this like not too long ago, I feel. So a simple definition of it is that internalized homophobia occurs when a person is subject to society's negative perceptions, intolerance, or stigmas towards queer people. They then turn those ideas inward and they believe that they're true. And they experience self-hatred as a result of being a socially stigmatized person. So even simpler than that, we're taught by society to feel a certain way about queer people and whether we actually believe those things or not, they, they get buried inside you from a young age. And you don't even realize they're there, but they bubble up in your everyday life um, and your interactions with queerness or queer people. And you might be not even realizing that you're experiencing certain levels of homophobia. That, that really makes me sad because I think there's so many times I probably wouldn't even have realized as a child and... I, I grew up in a family that wasn't putting that on me or we never spoke about gay people in any, any wrong way. Like my parents weren't homophobic people and they're not homophobic people at all. But kind of like how you said, it doesn't even have to be that you're outwardly homophobic or, or you're growing up in a homophobic environment. But I definitely felt when I was a kid and just based on the media I was seeing, I knew gay people were different. Like there was something different about them that wasn't the norm. Like all I was getting fed was heterosexuality, like left, right, and center. So of course, you know, of course, when you're growing up and then you're having these internal thoughts and I was feeling obviously so many types of ways about women, it took me so long to actually really come out and realize who I was because I was like, well, that can't be me. And I don't Mm. want that to be me. Mm -hmm, Because that makes me different and I don't really want to be different. I want to be accepted and loved. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of different ways that internalized homophobia can show up. And so here are a few kind of signs that you might be experiencing internalized homophobia. Do we want to read them like I'll read one, you read one? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Okay. Being unable or unwilling to acknowledge your own sexual orientation. Holding your same-sex partner to unreasonable standards rooted in heterosexist stereotypes. Feeling ashamed of your own sexual identity or orientation. Trying not to behave in the ways that you see as being consistent with heterosexist stereotypes. Refusing to acknowledge your same-sex partner publicly. Denying the role of heterosexism in LGBTQ plus oppression. Deriding or disliking people who proudly say that they have same-sex orientations. Believing that there is a right or wrong way to be a member of the LGBTQ plus community. And finally, having a fear of being gay or others labeling you as gay. And so these are, that list is mostly for people who are already part of the queer community in some way, whether they've come out or they haven't. Um, 
And I think a lot of those still apply to straight people as well, right? Especially like having a fear of being gay or being labeled as gay, um, especially for young men growing up, you know, they they don't want to be perceived as as gay by other straight men, like those types of fears. And I think like, I think where people get confused with internalized homophobia and like maybe defensive is the fact that it says phobia. Oh yeah. Because it seems so, it seems so like intense or dramatic or something. I mean, it might be like, I'm not, I don't have a phobia of gay people. I, gay people are fine. They're fine. I like them. They can do what they want. This is me talking as like straight people that I've, that I've heard speaking about this in my life. Um, and I understand where that thought process is coming from, you know, like phobia definitely does feel like it's an intense way to describe it. And so some writers have actually kind of challenged the term and said that when you say internalized homophobia, it incorrectly suggests that there is a phobia at all. Um, and it takes away the fact that the whole idea of internalized homophobia comes from the external stressors, the society. It's not so much, it comes from the outside and then gets manifested inside. It's not the other way around. Um, so for this reason, a lot of writers have actually suggested different terms like internalized heterosexism, internalized sexual prejudice, internalized sexual stigma, which I all think are great, but none of them have like gained the same popularity in in the uh, in the zeitgeist as internalized homophobia. Maybe because it's so dramatic that it kind of like hits you. I wonder if someone said like, if someone said to me like, you have internalized homophobia, I'd be like, oh my God let's get to the bottom of this. It just feels very like I need to figure this out. But internalized heterosexism maybe doesn't have the same like, I don't know, urgency or intensity or something. Yeah, because it doesn't have the same word like phobia that would, because for sure, all you're going to think in your head is when someone's saying internalized homophobia, I'm taking internalized out of there. And I'm thinking, in some regard, you think of me as homophobic. Yeah, it's the same thing with internalized racism. Because we all started to acknowledge that more than ever last year. And a lot of white people were like, I'm not racist. What are you talking about? All they heard was racism. They didn't hear the internalized part. No, because it's the same thing, right? Like it's the external thoughts and like the way society has taught us to, to feel about people who are different than us, people of different races. So that's why we internalize it. Same, the same right. thing with them. Um, same the thing. LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you've been, you've, I want to know about like your experiences with dealing with internalized homophobia, if you ever had. I definitely, definitely, I've, I've probably had internalized homophobia my whole life, like growing up in a very straight world, a very white world, um, consuming media that told me same totally same as you like being gay is not necessarily bad um but very different like I remember I remember like consuming media from like Perez Hilton or like like early 2000s gaydom that was like it just wasn't like normalized as much as it is now and it it, it was just it was much more like that person's different in some way I think that I have experienced it a ton. Like, 
I was trying to think of like specific examples and one that came to mind is just like something I've noticed actually kind of recently um, and this is like more so before COVID but when I'd meet a new person who was a who was um, seemed to identify as a woman and they would be like super touchy with me I would feel just like a little bit uncomfortable now me as a person I'm not very touchy I don't love to like I'm not I just don't really love to like touch people all the time even with my closest friends like we're not super touchy touchy so that's a part of me anyway but I definitely noticed like before COVID started like there would be I don't know just moments like that where I'd be like feeling a little uncomfortable and being like I wonder why I feel so uncomfortable and just posing the question to myself like is it because they're a woman like would I feel this uncomfortable if it was a man am I just like you know what I mean like am I just uncomfortable with physical touch or is it a little bit more than that and I think it probably is much more than that it's probably like this feeling of like oh do they think I'm I'm gay like maybe I don't want to be perceived that way to them um so it was like a discomfort kind of that I noticed happening a little bit here and there just if I met like it, it was it was um like only for women I didn't know very well like if I met someone for the first time or second time or whatever and they were being very like touchy and like like very like you know what I mean very, yeah like close right but that was an example that I that was one of like the main examples that I could think of yeah and I think that's I because knowing you, and obviously I've known you for over seven years at this point, I've always known you to not be a very touchy person. So my first thought when I think of that with you, and you can only speak for yourself, right? And even you said, like, I think it is a much bigger thing than that, than maybe thinking like, oh, do, do they think I'm gay? Do you think it's like my internalized homophobia of like thinking, are they coming on to me? Or maybe are we being perceived by the public as being mm. like gay together yeah, yeah. or a gay couple or something? Um, but just knowing you, I know, yeah, you're not a very touchy person. Like you and I, I mean, Janie's fanfic was telling a different story, but Sarah and, I, Sarah and I will be in bed together and we like don't cuddle. Like, and I'm a cuddler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to me, I'm like cuddle. Like, why would we cuddle? Because I love like, cuddling. Like, you're like, why wouldn't we cuddle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just very different in that way. Like I just would never just cuddle with my friends. But you, yeah. but that's like your world. <laughs> <laughs> that's your love language right there. Physical touch is my love language. So um, it, it is more with my close friends for sure. But I have ended up in scenarios where, and if, if I know they like to cuddle too, I'm not, that's the thing. I think my body just knows if I'm in a bed with Sarah, don't cuddle her, but. Oh, that makes me kind of sad. Well, like I know that it's not just not my vibe, but I'm also like, oh. I don't want little Percy Buns to be, like, deprived of her instincts. But you know what, though? I think because we just, like, don't cuddle, I think it would just be weird. It would be we... so weird <laughs> if we cuddled. Only because I'm weird about it. Like, that's just always been me. Yeah, like, if we all of a sudden, like, started doing it, I'd be like, okay, Sarah, we can, like, let go of each other. I can't even picture it. Like, guys, guys listening, like, tell us, do you just, like, cuddle with your friends? Maybe this is a totally normal thing that I've never experienced. Like, growing up, I was very close to my girlfriends. I'm still so close to them. And we just, cuddling, like, was never even, like, something we thought to do. 
<laughs> but maybe we're just weird. Guys, tell us, are we weird? Are we deprived of love and emotion? I um I had a friend recently tell me like when we slept at um at a friend's cottage. I I am a cuddler, so she, I just like was like cuddling her in my sleep. But then later I was like, oh, I hope she wasn't like weirded out by that. But who else have I like slept in a bed with? I mean, we don't really like sleep in beds with people. We're not like. Well, not at, I feel like not at this point in our lives. Like we're kind of getting to an age where like, yeah, you're not just like sleeping with your friends in the same bed really anymore. But we used to do it all the time. Like, I just feel like we were always sharing beds with people. Like, come over. We'll sleep together. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to say, too, another thing that kind of um, from this list that we were talking about that kind of spoke to me was just, um, like, assuming that someone in the queer community is supposed to be a certain way or act a certain way. I've definitely had that kind of internalized homophobia before. Specifically, I think, with, like, biphobia, like someone you know saying that they are in for example a woman saying they are into women but also into men and then kind of like bouncing back and forth between specifically one woman and one man and and I've had like prejudices about like um that behavior and whether it's the right way to be queer or not um Mm -hmm. and which of course like that's internalized homophobia coming through. It is. A lot of um, people in the community, in the LGBTQ plus community, feel that way. That's why biphobia is such a real thing is because a lot of um, lesbians, I think they take the, oh, she likes men too, a little too, in a, in a way that's like a little too far where mm-hmm. that person isn't always fully accepted into the community. And I've never yeah. agreed with that yeah. at all because it's like, you're saying you're bisexual and if you like men and women, I believe you mm-hmm. always, no matter what it is, you know, because I think it is, it's no one else's story to tell but the other person. But I do find like there, there have been times where people, I think I've mentioned this in a pod episode before where some lesbians will probably say, I won't date a bisexual. Yeah. And I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. I think, I think. It's hard when it comes to, like, dating because it's such a, like, personal decision of who you date and you're and you're allowed to, like, have your own very specific type or your very specific opinion around who you want to date. But I think the overarching idea of, like, not accepting someone who's bi or not, yeah, not believing them for sure but not accepting them into this community that you have been accepted into it just feels, like, so hypocritical. But it's also internalized homophobia too, and that's that's part of it that we're, that we want to acknowledge. Like it's not always your it's not always your fault if you feel those things, um, but it is your responsibility to acknowledge them and unlearn them. Yeah, one hundred percent. And sorry, I did just want to acknowledge too that like yeah, I I think that's just my own opinion when I said like I think it's ridiculous if like a, a lesbian was gonna say she didn't want to date a bisexual. I think like that's their choice and that's their they're allowed to make those decisions based on who they want to date I agree with it's like there's a lot of stigma with bi people and pansexual people being accepted into the community because I think sometimes like the gay community can even see things as very black and white 
Yeah. And, and also you're allowed to have your own opinion and you're speaking from the position of someone who identified as bi for many years. So I think you're more more than, um, you're more than allowed to have that opinion and speak that, that truth. For sure. I guess it's just sometimes it feels like it can be so personal. Like I feel like I'm just speaking for myself because I would have no problem dating a bisexual person, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I've heard from other queer people that I've even talked to to say like, oh, I wouldn't be comfortable dating someone who was bi. Yeah, it's interesting. I would love to talk to someone who feels that way because it is really interesting and it doesn't make sense to me either. But yeah, I think like all of these issues are so complex, like you were saying with the black and white, like like we might not agree with that but at the same time i do see what what i was just saying like the idea that who you date is so it it can be so specific for certain people they really can have like you know a list and everyone they date has to check off this very specific list i'm curious to to know like what the i think all of these things just stem from fear which is why i actually believe that homophobia is the right term for it because I think all of these things we're talking about ultimately come down to fear and I wonder what the fear is for those lesbians for example who don't want to date someone who's bi is the fear that they might leave them for a man that's what I think it is wrapped up in it which is interesting because relationships are so much more than that you know they're more than gender in that way it's fear I think it's intimidation I mean like I said, I've kind of heard the opposite from when I identified as bi. I heard that they would be fearful. A guy I was talking to at the time would be fearful of me ever leaving him for a woman. But what's, but why? Okay, here's where I get confused. So they would be fearful of you leaving them for a woman. But wouldn't they also be fearful of you leaving them for a man? Like, what's the difference? Double the competition. That's what but I've heard. why does it have to be a competition? Like this, like, and this is where I'm like, what kind of relationship do you want to be in where it's a competition? Where like, don't you want to be in a healthy relationship where like you're not constantly wondering if the other person is, has eyes for someone else? Yeah. That, I think that's more of an unhealthy relationship thing. No, it's, uh, that's what I thought too. And mind you, I wasn't in a relationship. Like I was just talking to this guy. Like it was very early. Like we'd gone on a few dates and we were just having a conversation and I was like, I, I remember just having to tell him, well, if it ever got to that point with us and we were seeing each other, you would have to be confident that I would, I would be with you because I want to be with you. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter that, you know, at the time when I was by, I was like, that shouldn't, I would hope that wouldn't affect you because that's, that is who I am. And I will always acknowledge that I am very into women too. It wouldn't go away if I start dating you. No. And it's just like any relationship, when you decide you're going to commit to someone, when you're like, I'm going all in on you, this one person, then you're making the decision to not look around for others, regardless of gender. Like, as a straight person, if I'm committed to one guy, I'm not going to be looking for other guys in the meantime. You know what I mean? Like that. So it's it's really no different. I know. And I think um... that's insecurities and fear talking. Yeah. And that, I think that's the common theme when it comes to um, internalized homophobia. It, it is insecurities and fear and society. <laughs> Tell me about times that you've experienced internalized homophobia in yourself. So much. 
I think I, yeah. yeah, truly, I was experiencing internalized homophobia up until 24. Yep. And I was definitely in denial, though. I don't think I was recognizing it as internalized homophobia because, like, how a lot of people may be afraid of the word homophobia, so was I, because I was like, yeah, I'm obviously not homophobic. I'm very, I like, always acknowledged like my attraction for women and not in a way of like oh my god this is awful like I I honestly never looked at it that way I was just scared I was just scared of my feelings for women because Mm. I always bring it back to I didn't think I looked gay and I think that was a big part Mm. of my internalized homophobia Mm. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that for some reason and like I'm using like air quotes I didn't look gay I didn't dress gay even like earlier days when we lived together, I was I was so much more even femme presenting than I am now. 100%, yes. At least in the way I dressed and stuff, very mm-hmm. femme presenting that my world was so small. I wasn't around a lot of queer people where I could even see that it was like, I could be me and be authentic to being me and I wouldn't have to like change the way I looked or change the way I dressed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying the way I dress now is because I'm like, oh, I want to look a little bit more gay. That's not where it's coming from. I think it's just like comfort and style and just your style just changes. But yeah, you're coming into your own in every way. It's not about, it's not all about your gayness. No, I think it really did come down to the way I looked. And I I think another part of me was also scared of giving myself that label of saying like, are you actually just gay? Right, yeah. To me, that felt like a big deal. For sure. And you felt that during the years that you were identifying as bi, right? I totally get that. It's huge. It's And like we've talked about before with labels, you probably were also feeling the fear of like, oh, I've told everyone I'm bi. Am I allowed to now say I'm gay? Is it okay to change the label that I gave myself? Mm-hmm. is that bad or will people judge me or will they believe me yeah I had a bit of a comfort for sure thinking like okay it still feels good to like also say I'm bi because at the same time I felt like even during those moments when I was still like going out with guys or trying to like see men I felt like oh the moment I say I'm gay then I'll never be able to do that again like I'll never now that everyone knows I'm gay, let's say I do actually like a guy and I fall for a guy. Yeah. I can't because now everyone that. thought I was gay. Yeah. It's so interesting. I would have that exact same fear. hundred percent. Like you want to keep your options open because you, you genuinely don't know who you're going to have feelings for. Who's to say? And that's how I felt because I thought that like, if I'm going to say I'm gay, I feel like I have to be like, so, so, so sure. And I think at that time, I mean, I, I knew I was like, I know I like these, these girls. And I know I have like the emotions that you're supposed to be feeling. But I was still very fearful of like, of of accepting it fully and being like, okay, I'm really gonna like, acknowledge purses, I think you only like women. Yeah. And then when you did acknowledge that, Like, what do you think was the catalyst that made you finally be like, okay, there's some internalized homophobia happening here and I'm going to try to unlearn it and step out of it. 
Like, was there a moment? Yeah. What was it? it? I had a huge, I had a big, big moment. Have we talked about this? Maybe a little, but maybe not into detail. In 2019, yeah, I was still identifying as bi. And the moment I realized, like, it was kind of the last, the last, um, not the, the last not- supper. <laughs> it was the last supper or it was, I like the word, like the final catalyst. Um, oh yeah. I love the word catalyst. Mm, me too. Sexy word. It's very intense, but it was true because yeah. um, I had really strong feelings for a girl, really strong. And I was still going about it, just trying to be like, okay, maybe this is just like another girl I have a crush on, blah, blah, blah. And then during that time, I was, my friend was trying to set me up with um, her friend, that's a guy, because she's like, oh, this is, you know, you're single, he's single, like, you should just, you should just go out with him. And I remember um, I went with him. I want to, I wonder if that was the last date I ever went on with a guy, like a date date. Oh my God. I think it was. <gasps> was it a good date? Yeah, the date was great, but that's when I realized I was so gay because because wow. my one friend was thinking, do you maybe think you like weren't so set on him because you had feelings for the girl? But mm. I thought, I don't think so because I kept even thinking like, if I was on a, like I was, okay, I'll picture the date. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what the date was. We okay. went to a comedy show. Oh, fun. That's such a good date. We went to a comedy show. <laughs> We had a drink, we were chatting, and I just kept sitting there thinking, I would rather be here with a woman. Like, I want to have, like, a date with a woman. Yeah. And so I went home that night, and it was just a moment of being like, Persis, yeah, you're gay. And then post him, I only went on dates with women. Yeah. That's it. During the date? Sorry, to backtrack, during the date when you were, like, thinking these things. Yeah. Were you, like, were you kind of having, like, the realization in the moment? Or was it not until later when you got home? Like, were you struggling to get through the date? Because you were like, oh, my God, I'm having major realizations right now. Yeah. (gasps) I felt like I wasn't able to be present with him. And it was nothing wrong that he was doing. He was great. But I was like, but once again, he was great. He was nice. That's it. Yeah. Which tended to be the pattern, right? We've talked about this on the podcast before. Like you would come home from a date with a guy and like the number one thing you'd say is he was nice. Yeah. You would never start with like, he was so cute or like, oh my God, I wanted to kiss him so bad or anything like that. You'd be like, he's really, really nice. Like such a nice guy. Then you come home from a date with a girl and you'd be like, oh my God, I wanted to rip her clothes off. Yeah. I was nervous about those feelings too sometimes that I would have for women. And I think that was my internalized homophobia a little bit too, because I felt like I wasn't around a lot of friends who were also going on dates with women, right? Like I feel like a majority of my friend group was very straight. I definitely had friends who I would see on the side. Like I think at that time too, maybe like one or two that I would really be talking to about like them being queer and dating. So I just didn't have a lot of that. And I think sometimes I was just, just so in my head. So in, I was so doubtful of my own feelings for girls too, that I thought like, am I just like chasing people who are just like unavailable? Like, do I just like Mm. the chase? Like what's going on? Yeah. Um, 
but that was my moment. And then it still took me a few months. And then I remember in quarantine, it was like May, 2020. I was just like, I am going to just say I'm into girls. And it feels good to just be like, finally, I have this like weight lifted off my shoulders. Yeah, totally. And it's all me. Like no one else was caring. I think they were all just like, yeah, good. Like good for you. Like good for you to acknowledge it. But that was a big deal for me because I was just in so much denial and that was my own problem. But now Mm -hmm. it feels good to just not have that anymore and just confidently be like, yeah, and now I know what I want. And I'm not like trying to put myself in scenarios. Like it was almost kind of how Shannon mentioned in that podcast episode we did with her, Shannon Burns, where she said, I think there's sometimes ways where you feel like, well, this could just be easier this could be so much easier. So maybe I'll shut this part out because Mm -hmm. I was having no luck dating women at all. Like literally I've had, I've gone through more, I've gone through a lot of heartache with like the girls I've liked. Whereas here was a guy who was single, was friends with all my friends. Even my Mm -hmm. one, my one friend was so excited to set me up with him because she's like, Persis, he's friends with this guy and this guy and this girl, we could all hang out together. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there being like, picturing it. I was like, oh my God, if I just kept going out with him maybe we'd date and I wouldn't feel so lonely but then I'm like no versus don't do that because you're gay like don't just go for something because you don't want to be lonely anymore yeah of course but it makes sense like it it's not like I feel like everyone's felt that way like oh maybe I'll just like do this thing because like no one likes to feel lonely everyone wants to feel wanted everyone's looking for love so like it and that just probably made your your internal conflict so much more intense because you were like because you more than anyone want love (laughs) not more than anyone but like you that's like on the top of your list of priorities is like love and relationships so I think like I'm just so happy that you were able to have that realization but I do think that you had to do it on your own like I think it was a tough it was a uphill battle but you kind of had to to fight the battle alone to to get to the point you got to you know because I think you had friends including me at a few points kind of being like are you sure you're bi like maybe you're just into girls or the opposite maybe you're just into guys and putting our own internalized homophobia on you and your label and I think you really just had to like go at it alone and figure it out go on all the dates see all the people and then get to that one date where you where you were like okay the clouds have literally parted and now I know but that was just like you know what I mean something you had to do on your own I did and I think um having that alone time to myself too during quarantine really helped because I just really only had time to sit and think and even if that meant with during that time where I was like reflecting on someone who I had liked in the past and I was just like not even thinking like I need to be with that person I was just reflecting on my feelings towards her and I was like that was super helpful because now I just think I know myself like more than any, any, like I really just knew myself yeah, more than I had before. And I was like, okay, I think now I know and we're only going to move forward from here because that's just, that's just how I felt. I'm not kidding myself anymore. Yeah, exactly. This is kind of backtracking, but I just wanted to touch on it again when you were saying that like part of your internalized homophobia was how you looked what I'm just curious like what exactly was the fear there was it that like people would was it like 
a kind of like a social fear. Like people will judge me if I say I'm queer because of how I look or like, do you know what the fear was there? If there was one? I think not being taken seriously. Oh my God. That's a big one for you. One thing I've actually always like really stood by is that I never really had the type of internalized homophobia that was like, I'm, I'm afraid to tell someone I'm into women. If anything, I'm very much an open book with telling people I'm into girls. Clearly, as we talk on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I know. It's kind of funny. But the most public you'll ever get. But um, that was central. Never a fear. Maybe yeah, in high school when I said it for the first time to my friends, of course. I'm not saying I was like a had no feelings towards that. That was scary. But I noticed when I was in my early 20s and I started working in Toronto, I'd work in the restaurants. I was telling all my server friends, I'm into women. I told people that I worked with, I'm into women. Like at um my first like big girl job. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um with benefits. Big girl job with benefits, baby. Yeah, I had no problems. I was never scared of being like, hey, I I like women if ever dating got brought up. But I was scared that people wouldn't be taking me seriously because of the way I looked because I've heard Mm. that before. And I think what I didn't like is that I was like, no one would ever know I'm gay. And I think sometimes that would bother me because sometimes I'd be met with like a, oh, really? Like, I didn't know. Like, people would be kind of shocked and not in a rude way where they're like, what no way but they'd be like it wouldn't be like oh it would, it would be like oh you know mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. hear the difference in my voice a little bit but like, yes hundo p yeah that makes sense i don't know and that's like i said that's a me problem but well but i think the whole idea of internalized homophobia like we talked about earlier is that it's internal because it was first external. You you got it from the outside world and then it got all nestled up inside and got comfy there and started to make you believe things that you don't have to believe. That's what it is. That's what internalized homophobia means. So all of these things that you were wrestling with all these years and that you still wrestle with to this day, they all came from the outside. And so, sure, sure of course all these things are me problems because we all have to take responsibility for being ourselves and also unlearning things that are hurtful to certain people but also like we're allowed to also give ourselves some grace like those were things that came from the outside you weren't born like that you weren't born out of the womb being like i know what a gay person looks like and i don't look like that person yeah and you weren't out of the womb walking out of Rennie being like, oh, I'm gay and I like only women. I know. I know. You, like went through the world and the world told you shit. And then you were like, we're like trying to figure it all out. And it's interesting because when I, when I talked to some other people about the internalized homophobia they went through, my main, the main ones I definitely went through were um, having trouble acknowledging my sexual orientation. That's why, yeah, I went through the I'm bi. And it's not like I said, I, it's not that I didn't think I was, I was trying to figure it out, but I had comfort. And I think that is a bit of internalized homophobia. Cause it's like, okay, it feels more comfortable to say I'm bi because lesbian seems too scary or saying mm-hmm. I'm gay seems too scary. Totally. Yeah. But I've also talked to people who've said, 
they have internalized homophobia with wanting to talk about their same-sex partner or even something as simple as like walking down the street with their same-sex partner and holding their hand. Yeah, yeah. Because they're afraid of what other people are seeing. But I've never, I will like gladly do that. Like I've never. (laughs) For sure. You know, but I think that's what's, so I don't know. I think um, everyone is so different in the way they, they handle their internalized homophobia, but like, yeah, it's, it's all an unlearning process and it just sucks that the world is the way it is for us to even have to go through these things because some people don't come to terms with it until later. And then like, they, they just want to be like, I wish I had that confidence when I was in my teens or when I was in my twenties. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always so torn between like, wishing like oh wouldn't it be wonderful if we didn't have any of these societal pressures and everyone could just happily be themselves with like no outside stigmas and then the other part like that's the little angel on my shoulder and the devil's like yeah but the stigmas like like it's the bad stuff that makes us so much better like the crap we have to work through like all those years of like layers of stigma you had to push through like that just made you so much stronger on the other side which is such a cliche but I don't know maybe maybe the struggle is worth it I always get that's what the devil on my shoulder is always like the struggle's worth it and the angel's like do we need a struggle and this is coming from a straight white woman with a lot of privilege but I mean sometimes I wonder I think I think the struggle is important because I I think it does make us stronger I think I've gotten to a point now where I can handle a lot more in it's so funny because there's so many things that affect me like to my core where I'm like oh my gosh Persis like girl you have and I'm not mad at my emotions but things run really deep for me but then there's other things where I could not give a fuck I could (laughs) like what a flying fuck (laughs) like what (laughs) I love this person where I've literally heard from my parents that there are some extended family members who don't want to even hear about my life because they know I'm gay and they think my parents have given me too much freedom but there Mm. it's like people who I was close to growing up and like they always would ask about me when they thought I was straight but then that stuff I just it doesn't like make me cry like that stuff just gives me more motivation yeah to just be like I need that's why I need to speak out about this stuff more because there's so many other people who are like me I'm not Mm -hmm. the only one so you know it's just interesting I mean I think I I do think it makes sense like because you know yourself so well and you're surrounded by your all the people in your life that you surround yourself with that you love also believe the same things as you like they hold those same values so when you hear that stuff even though yeah it's family your values run so deep for you that there's no part of you that's like you're not going to be sad because you know they're so wrong yeah you know that they're so misguided and like homophobic and wrong like there's just no part of you that's even going to be like sad about it but when it comes to like your emotions and your you the things you feel for like people that you that you love and that you like I think that's like a totally different thing yeah it it doesn't involve your like values and beliefs 
No, that's true. That's true. Maybe it is because it's so easy for me to be like, well, what they're saying is like, yeah, because I've done so much work to really believe in myself and like love myself and know that I am just being me and I'm being authentic. So I'm sorry that it's just easier for me to be like, okay, guys, well, you believe what you want to believe, but I'm going to believe me. (laughs) And hell yeah. Yeah, that's it. Tell them. I wanted to ask you, and this may, you might have just answered the question, but like, have you ever been in the presence of someone and felt like they were experiencing internalized homophobia because you were there, like around you? Oh. Or because of you? Because I think what you just described is just like blatant homophobia, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, have you ever, like, you know what I mean? Maybe you're around someone and you're thinking, like, are they feeling some internalized homophobia around me or something? Yeah, because I'm there. Or, yeah, because you're there and maybe you're talking about, like, a girl you dated or, like, I would imagine that there might be times when you start talking about, I I don't know, a girl and then you notice someone in the conversation getting uncomfortable, like, which isn't, which is their own internalized homophobia. Has that ever really happened or not so much? I really can't think of a moment. I'm totally sure it it must have happened. But I also don't think I have because, okay, if I'm in a situation where I feel like it would come out more to light is I'm thinking if I was with like extended family members at a party Mm -hmm. and then I started talking about girls, that has never happened. I've literally (laughs) never, never done that unless it's with like my cousins who I'm super close with who already just know everything. And I'm talking like older aunties, uncles, like I haven't been like out there speaking about women. But other than that, Anytime I've been in an environment where I've maybe like brought that up or someone knew I was gay, I don't think I've sensed like internalized homophobia from them necessarily. Maybe I've sensed the like, oh, they just wouldn't have realized I was gay. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe I think that's a huge, a huge um, example of internalized homophobia is the response to you saying you're gay being a shock, which there's. And we just want to be, like, super clear. We're not saying it's bad. We're not saying it's bad if you meet persons and you're surprised to hear she's gay. But it is an internalized homophobia. You feel that persons should look a certain way. You're saying that persons should look a certain way to be gay. And so it's just something to acknowledge and then unlearn. But I feel like that ha- – I mean, we've talked about that before. That's happened to you many, many times. It has. And I sometimes wonder if, like, what if I showed up to a party and I was wearing – what what you thought a typical gay person would wear so it's so strange i just want to give a shout out to our episode do i look gay i was gonna pull up an episode number but it's not important if you scroll back into our um episode catalog it's called do i look gay and we go we dive into all of this i really loved that episode because i find this so fascinating that we that we have these ideals of like what a gay person looks like and what a straight person looks like and it's been such a huge part of your story but it's a, yeah. it's a great example of internalized homophobia. Yeah, it I don't is. Know if great is the right word, but it's it's just an example. It's a strong example, and I would say that's been my main struggle is trying to navigate the looks, my my feminine persona, and I like femininity. I like that I'm feminine. I'm also attracted to femininity, so that's another thing. So that was something I needed to also accept in myself was that once I finally started to see feminine or sorry, I used to, I was starting to see femme representation. That also helped me be like, 
gay, gay, gay. Like, I'm all for it, girl. Like, own it. Because that's me. <laughs> gay, gay, gay. Gay, gay, gay. Gay, gay, gay is going to be the name of your first single. <laughs> Dropping Christmas 2021. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Be a great song. I know, right? Honestly, shout out to Cami Scott and Shannon Beveridge. Oh, my gosh. They if really changed could... the game for you. They really did. No word of a lie. Like, they if did. I did. They truly did. Yeah. Because I saw them as a couple and I was like, that is what I want. I was struggling because, I mean, I was seeing it in like TV shows, right? Like, I know not a lot. I know Emily from Pretty Little Liars was also dating a femme presenting girl in Pretty Little Liars. But sometimes mm-hmm. there was something about it being a show where I was like, okay, yeah, this is like a scripted show, but I'm still not seeing this in my everyday life. I'm not seeing this in reality. Totally. Um, yeah. Shannon and Cammy were just YouTubers who were like vlogging their life and they were a femme lesbian couple. And I was like, thank you. Like I found myself watching their vlogmas, which was just them like celebrating Christmas. And I was like, why am I so interested in these people who I have no idea? They're not like famous people at that time. They weren't. So why am I so interested? But it's like, because I see myself in them. Yeah. And that's actually a major thing that I've learned throughout the course of this podcast with you um, is specifically this Cammy Scott thing. I remember when you started getting really into Cammy, and I remember thinking like, kind of like almost blowing it off as like, oh, she's just some YouTuber that Persis really likes. Like, oh, she's just like, a, I don't know, some YouTuber. Like, I'm not really sure why Persis likes her so much. And I, and just like we've talked about representation so much on this podcast, and I've really learned. I really learned how like crucial this Cammy Scott character was in your life and your story. Like truly, I just like putting myself in your shoes. Like I I couldn't even put into words how helpful that would have been to just to just have that real life example, even if it's just on YouTube. And now I see Cammy Scott and like a and her relation to you in a whole different light. I really learned like how important rep is. It's wild. Do you want to know something weird too? I don't think I've ever told yeah. you this. Oh my God. There was <laughs> one night in 2016, I want to say, um, we were living in um, the annex at that time, you and I and a couple other roommates. And I was planning on meeting you, Camille and Margo at Bar Raval that night. Okay. Yes. As I was getting ready, um, I was watching like binge watching like Cammy and Shannon's videos just on YouTube I was like straightening my hair and I was just playing their YouTube and I had a moment of feeling so happy like like it was a euphoric like feeling that I all of a sudden had as I was like getting in the uber to meet you guys at the bar where I kept like thinking of their videos and thinking this is okay you can you can have their life like you can have a girlfriend and you guys can like do all the things they're doing and have so much fun. You can go on trips together, do dates, Aww. drive-ins. I just like remember feeling that. And I'll always remember that night. And it was before Bar Reval because I went to meet you guys. I probably didn't mention it to you. I, I, I just, think so. I don't think I would have because it was like just to myself. <laughs> but I think I had a moment of like, it's okay. Because I always felt this weird disconnect whenever I'd want to, when I was ta- ever ta- whenever I would talk about dating and it was like mm-hmm. talking about a guy. I was like, I don't, I don't feel it. But then yeah, for sure. with them, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, it can happen. 
Oh my god, I love that story. The fact that you remember the bar and everything, like that was a that I feel like you had all these moments, like these mo solo moments. Like I wish we could have celebrated them in the moment, but we didn't have the we didn't have the like, you know, 2020 that we have now. But I wish like in the moment we could have been like this is a moment had some bubbles and toasted to it totally but no it's okay now obviously I wouldn't have even acknowledged that at the time but I think um I think yeah it's important to give them a shout out and I think specifically Cammie Scott for me at least a yeah. shout out because I think her YouTube channel and just I think I related to her the most just mm-hmm. with how femme presenting she was and how much can't they always say Cam is like the original femme lesbian so I'm like oh yeah. do they say that that YouTuber community is like always calls Cammy as being like the femme lesbian. Oh my god. Oh, okay. Damn, yeah. girl. Yeah. Good job, Cammy. We love you. We love you. Now come on, come the, on podcast. the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pers, what should we do about internalized homophobia? If someone's listening and they're like, shit, I think I have a lot of internalized homophobia going on in here whether they're queer or not, or in between. What should they do about it? My biggest piece of advice for this is I think always ask yourself, why? Why? Like, maybe are there certain moments in my life or certain things I was digesting as a kid, certain things maybe I was like digesting from family members, from my friends even, that have led me to feel these types of ways. Cause I think we can all say no one is born homophobic or no one is born with internalized homophobia. You're not a baby coming out of the womb with internalized homophobia. You're a baby. Like what? That's not there. Baby, baby, baby. So I would say that I think you should wake up in the morning and, and take it day by day. Oh, okay. Take it, take it day by day. Like it's not going to happen yeah. overnight. Um, I think when you start to catch yourself having these feelings of doubt about yourself, or even if it's like doubt for queer people, just be like, I'm going to pretend like I don't know anything about these people, even about myself. I am a fresh slate. Mm -hmm. And I think that process really works. And that's how the unlearning process works is for a moment in time, I would like kind of start every single day as if there were no judgments. Yeah. Ever. Like there's no judgments at all. And then I'm just kind of like, as the day goes on, maybe that stuff comes to me, but then I'll be like, okay, then why, why am I thinking that? Mm -hmm. Why is such a powerful word? Yeah. Word. (laughs) It's such a powerful word. Like maybe having a moment where you might be walking with your girlfriend. I'm just doing like scenarios for anyone, but you could be walking with your same sex partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, non-binary anyone (laughs) you can be walking with them and then you get nervous because you're holding hands and you're walking down the street Mm -hmm. just stop yourself and be like let me actually do a deep dive and thinking why and then maybe think why does that matter am I worried about what other people think because then what do I want what matters to me yeah what makes me happy purse that's great advice I would add to that as you're doing this practice of the why, 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 don't be afraid to write down your thought process and or say it out loud to the person you're with. If you, if it's this exact example that Persis gave, you suddenly get nervous you're holding your significant other's hand. 
and you're aware enough to ask yourself why, talk about it with them. Be like, I just had a feeling of nervousness and I'm wondering why. And sometimes it can be really helpful to say it out loud or to write it down, to work through what's happening in your mind and your body. I think the biggest thing is, I I like that you brought that up, is to talk to someone about it. Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of my advice almost seemed like do the inner work and do it yourself. But I also think that could also lead to repressing your feelings. True. And you're just shelving it away for a moment. And I think it's easier to sometimes just like, you know, shove it away, go about your life. But I think if you do have people you can talk to about it, whether it is your partner or if it's a friend or a family member, if you feel comfortable, you should talk it out. Yeah, talk it out and also seek out queer stories and voices, like listen to podcasts, wink, wink, um, from different queer perspectives, read books, watch shows. There's so many good shows right now that have like great queer storylines and queer rep. Um, But I think it's really helpful to like just kind of seek out more queer content and queer conversation because just from doing that you can unlearn some uh, a bias you didn't realize you had just by watching like euphoria yeah you could unlearn like 10 biases that you probably had growing up just by like seeing that reflected back to you and on the screen yeah oh my god it's, it's seeing it is so so crucial and i think um yeah i like that you said like learning about queer stories Mm-hmm. those are so important and queer stories should be told and I know it's so much easier said than done and I think like it takes so long to get to these points but I think one of the biggest things is that I don't think we should be living for other people because I think a lot of internalized homophobia could also come from like what does society think of me yeah what would my family think of me my friends because if you're on my a, partner yeah yeah your partner like mm-hmm. If you're on an, like, if you, we didn't have to worry about what society thought about us, we would literally be doing everything, like, for ourselves always. I know. Wouldn't that be amazing? How many times? Were you going to say if you were on an island? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I fucking wish I was on an island. But think about it right now, Sarah. Like, do you think, just internalized homophobia aside, do you think you make decisions based on what other people think? Every day. Yeah. Every single day. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I hate it. And it's like that – and coming as a queer person, I think a lot of people are still working through that. I think there's a lot of moments where just because we just talked to her recently, Shannon could have gone one direction. She decided not to because she's like, I'm going to live authentically for me and yeah. I want to live a happy life. Mm-hmm. And even for me, I had to work through my own – internalized homophobia of being like, am I not comfortable with the word lesbian? Am I not comfortable? Mm-hmm. Am I uncomfortable with the way I look? Cause I don't look gay and people might not take me seriously. Mm. Or am I going to have to now, if I say I'm gay, I can never go back to men. Like they're all going to totally. shun me. Like just things like that where I'm like, purse is goddamn. Like <laughs> the village will shun me. Just do what you want to do and be happy and fall in love. And yes. And be true to your be true to yourself. That's the only way to happiness. Yeah, it is. That's the only way we can be happy. Purse, you are like you are speaking like some gospel tonight <laughs> in this episode. Like, are you guys taking notes? 
just be happy. And I know it's not easier said than done. I've gone through so many moments of that sadness, Mm -hmm. like, and feeling doubts. And a lot of it Mm -hmm. had to do with my sexuality, but Mm -hmm. now it's like, you, I don't know. You can just get to a point when you can breathe and be like, this is me and I'm, I'm happy. I'm me. Mm -hmm. And this is how it's meant to be. Yeah. Because if it's meant to be, it'll, it'll be, be, it'll be, maybe just let it be. Everyone should just be happy. Uh, I mean, that is the goal. I think that is the main goal of this podcast. I, I just want everyone to be happy in themselves and in love with themselves and in love with the world and in love with everyone. Life's just met with so many problems. <laughs> Okay, I feel like we should end <laughs> end it off on a positive note for the people. Thank you for talking about your own internalized homophobia. Of course, darling. From your perspective, and because I think that stuff can also be tough to like admit sometimes, right? Because it's scary. It's scary to be like, did I ever feel that way? Because of, you know, for example, when you were saying if a girl was like touching me, I think it's like really important to acknowledge it's really hard to acknowledge like thank you for thank you for um bringing that up and for anyone listening who does identify as straight and who is feeling almost a little bit defensive right now I understand I totally get it because you don't want to be hateful in any way towards anyone but I do have to say I think having this podcast makes me feel like 20 times more comfortable to acknowledge internalized homophobia i feel like before before we started this podcast i would have been so much more scared to like say it Mm -hmm. it's almost backwards like you would think having this podcast where we only talk about queerness i would be like oh i can't acknowledge that i have like any internalized homophobia but it's the opposite it's like no i feel like learning so much about the queer community makes me just even more open to acknowledging all of the homophobic stuff that we are taught and that still still lives within me that I, I you know what I mean like it's just I feel more the more educated you become the more open you are the more you can acknowledge your shit and overcome it it's like the formula that is always consistent in life like that equation will always equal x you know what I'm saying oh yeah oh oh my god 100 percent. it's a big learning lesson for me doing this podcast is like Oh my God. Oh, being open, it just makes you more open. It's like domino, domino, domino. And just like also the art of like letting go, like letting, letting go of anxiety, control, Mm -hmm. you know, almost like we want to be like, yes, not, I think perfect. Like that can also be an element of that. And we're not, and we're always going to be making mistakes. We're going to be learning and we're going to be dealing Mm -hmm. with a lot of shit inside. Mm -hmm. Hell Yeah. But as long as we talk about it mm-hmm. on a podcast. Called Girl on Girl. Called Girl on Girl. <laughs> I wanted to say if anyone feels like they've been experiencing internalized homophobia and they don't really know how to navigate it um, or they just want to talk about it, just have like a, you know, an ear to listen to, you can DM us on our Instagram Always. page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We definitely yep. would love to hear what you have to say. And if you need any advice, we'll try to talk you through it yep and if you don't have instagram or you don't want to dm us because you want to stay private or whatever you can always email us um yeah we're always here to chat always chit chat chit chat
Chitty chitty chat chat. Chitty chitty chat chat. Love you. Love you. Okay, guys, stay tuned for the song Gay Gay Gay. <laughs> Okay, Percy, what are we talking about for In Case You Missed It? Okay, so I, I'm i going to be the first to admit, okay, guys, so no one get mad at me. Okay. I'm really not a big Marvel person. I'm sorry. Of course not. But I want to be. I know so many people Do who you? are. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I didn't mean of course not sorry. That came out wrong. If you like Marvel, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. I really am. I hope that you feel so much joy when you consume marvel content i really do but i just i'm just not on board i just i was just out with a friend um alex hefner shout out alex hefner and he told me he was like you really need to like get into marvel like binge binge the movies and i was like i honestly only really liked spider-man and i only liked the toby Maguire and kirsten dunst one <laughs> yes <laughs> wait was that the upside down kiss yes Oh, iconic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is that Marvel? That's Marvel. Spider-Man. What's the other one? What's the other one? Um, DC. There's Marvel and there's... Oh, DC. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, go on. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And he's like, trust me. Like, you need to. So I was like, I'll be open-minded because I loved Spider-Man. Maybe I just loved Kirsten Dunst. So maybe, maybe that's why. Who's to say? Who's to say? And who's your favorite Spider-Man first before we continue? Is it Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, or Tom Holland? Tom Holland. It really. You know who my favorite was? Can you guess? Oh, 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 um, Andrew Garfield. How did you know? He's just your type. He's so my type. Oh my god. Anyway. Anywho's. Um, so Marvel. We sidetracked hard, but um really? I found out through the gay times, and I sent this to Sarah, that a Marvel series was pulled away for being too gay. So apparently it's a new Warriors television series that was actually greenlit by the Disney-owned network Freeform back in 2017. There are a bunch of people, um, I might be mispronouncing their names, so I'm so sorry, but Milana Vane Trubb, who played Squirrel Girl. Squirrel girl. <laughs> <laughs> you pronounce her name perfectly, but Squirrel Girl is a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Theller, Mr. Immortal, Jeremy Tardy, Knight Thrazer, Callum Worthy's people. <laughs> okay, I'm going to are these people. Who are they? <laughs> there are all these people who were cast in the series and they filmed a pilot of the episode. <laughs> oh, God. I'm dying. Just okay. me trying to like be professional right now. <laughs> I know, same. Uh, but anyway, so originally the, the network claimed they canceled the show due to scheduling conflicts, but just recently the showrunner, Kevin Beagle, totally like smashed those rumors and he gave the reason why the real show wasn't picked up. He wrote in like a bunch of tweets that there's a show we wrote a few years ago. It was a very, it was very proudly gay, a singular power that killed the show. It was a singular power that killed the show. Like, just to be clear, he, he wrote that very, like, in maybe a confusing way. But just wanted to clarify that he said it was a very proudly gay show, and then it was a singular power that ended up killing the show. Because oh, it, it was too gay. Right, right. Yeah. 
Jeez. And then he said it was a rich, straight Brentwood turd and that he got fired for being vile at his company. And then they said, we, on the other hand, live. Hashtag new warriors. And also he shared a bunch of behind the scenes photos of Squirrel Girl, like the costume, Mm -hmm. cast photos, and even a script from the character who described themselves as black queer powered. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, he also went on to tweet, I have nights where I can't fall asleep because I get so mad we couldn't have characters to say stuff like this. So looking into this article from the Gay Times, it looks like the only LGBTQ plus superhero in the MCU. Is the MCU the Marvel? Marvel Cinematic Universe. Got it. Thank you. No problem. So is um, Tom Hiddleston's uh, Loki character? Who's Loki? Sorry. <laughs> I, I love how Sarah and I are talking about Marvel and I'm like, I don't know. I think, I think it's like a big, a big character. Oh my gosh, no one get mad at me. Loki is Loki a villain, guys? Someone tell me. Um, yeah, so apparently Loki is an LGBTQ plus character. I wonder if that's explicit or implied. Like I wonder if they've actually explored that storyline. You know what I mean? I would hope they they will. It looks like Loki was a villain and now he's a hero. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it said it was beloved. I guess that they Loki has been confirmed. As of actually June 2021, so really recently, Loki was confirmed to be Marvel's first bisexual lead character. Oh, wow. Wow. Jesus. But the the main thing we wanted to talk about was just this show new warriors which was all set to go everyone was cast they filmed a pilot they had obviously the script all put together everything set and set to go and out outwardly gay character yeah and one executive at the studio free i'm guessing at freeform killed the show because they said it was too gay i think that's so sad and it's like what is your definition of too gay just because there's be so outwardly about it and like talking about it and or maybe showing relationships girl i have no idea too gay there's no such thing first of all second of all it's not gay enough if you ask me 100 <laughs> percent is not gay enough Marvel clearly is not gay enough if they have one bisexual character out of like how many characters does Marvel have probably like you know 20 at this point or something yeah can someone confirm that yeah because it might be a lot more or a lot less I have no idea I just know like Hulk Thor Uh, Iron Man okay (laughs) this in case you missed it's getting kind of off topic but okay I'm not gonna say who but someone in my life and I and some other people were looking at pictures of Marvel characters recently. And there was a picture of Captain Marvel, who, for anyone who doesn't know, is a female character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, played in the movies by Brie Larson. Love Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. We, anyway, we were looking at these characters. And this person in my life, who I'm not going to name, pointed to Captain Marvel and said, who's that? And another person said, oh, that's Captain Marvel. And his response was, but no, but it's a girl. And everyone was like, mm-hmm. um, that's like, that's the actual collective noise we made. 
And then anyway, we oh, all just no. kind of we just kind of moved past it. But um, I just wanted to share that little tidbit that uh, you know what? As soon as it happened, I was like, I kind of want to talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> it has nothing to do with queerness, but I was just like, I feel like the listeners will appreciate like the just like when those things happen in real life. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I surround myself by a lot of people who would never really, like, think that way. But then when you were interacting with different generations and stuff, like, and those things get said in real time, you're like, oh, my God, I just witnessed, like, internalized sexism. Yeah. Right oh, yeah. in front of me, you know? But Like, no, it can't be Captain Marvel. It's a girl. But that's the thing, anyway. too. Going into Marvel, like I said, I'm no Marvel expert, so, like, I could be so wrong, but how much representation is there for superheroes who are like women yeah if there's one one superhero it's like they're reaching their quota or something they're like okay we have three female superheroes so we've reached our quota we're good and we have one black superhero black panther okay our quota is our quota is good and we have one oh we're gonna make one bisexual okay quota is met that's how it feels to me it doesn't feel like an authentic representation of the world to me personally i know no, I think me neither. they're trying to expand it. I think they really are. I know that Kumail Nanjani got brought on, I think, as a, as a new Marvel character or something. Did you see that? No. So I think they're trying to, like, expand into more diverse cast. I love Kumail Nanjani, by the way. I don't even think we I know who that is. should have him on the podcast. Well, down. If you look up a picture of him, you'll probably recognize him. Oh, I've seen him before. I know his face. Oh, and yeah, he's going to be an MCU Eternal. Okay, so he is going to be an MCU superhero. Oh. Angelina Jolie. There's like a whole bunch of people in this like Eternals movie. Salma Hayek. Oh my gosh. I'd, um, I'd see like previews of this on my YouTube. Yeah. So I think they're like trying. They're definitely trying interesting sure. but this story that we found is just atrocious it is atrocious atrocious if anything like we need marvel to just turn gay um and you know what this also got me thinking purse is like so you know how originally it just said that the show got canned because of scheduling conflicts yeah how many times do you think we've been fed that as like the people without knowing the real story behind it oh i think many a times right like they they have this whistleblower here kevin beagle who was the showrunner being like no here's the real story and it's not okay which hopefully this kind of thing could lead to the show getting picked back up again right i hope so i think if more people are sticking standing up for it and if maybe people get behind the story. I mean, we're talking about it on the podcast. Like who knows how many other people are being like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It could totally get picked up again. And also people being like, I want to watch this. I will, you will get my views. Like I would love to see this, but yeah, like it just got me thinking like, I, I can't even imagine how many times something has been canceled or thrown off track or even just changed, you know? changed in the creation process that we have no idea like what the intent actually was supposed to be and it could have been something so much more representative of the world oh god yeah i know i know but thank god like some people just are brutally honest and say like here's the real deal and this is what happened otherwise we wouldn't have known this at all yeah and you know what this is my petition that i'm starting for persis abraham to play squirrel girl 
in the inevitable remake of this New Warriors TV series. But so, I don't want to take it away from Milana. Milana, Milana, I'm sorry, she got actually cast in some other stuff, so she's unavailable. There's some scheduling conflicts, and they need Persis Abraham to fill her spot. No, like, can I be like um, Lioness? Like, as your name? Yeah, Squirrel Girl? I'm looking at these names of the characters, and the guys have, like, cool names, like Mr. Immortal, Night Thrasher, and Speedball. And then the girls are Debris and Squirrel Girl. Debris? Girl. <laughs> like, Debris falling off of a building? Of a building? <laughs> Please. I would be, like, no, you know what I'd be? What? Tiger King. Oh, <laughs> I kind of liked just Tiger before the King. Well, then you're you're uh, the person you're not going to name. You guys would be looking up Tiger King on Google because I would surpass Joe Exotic. I would be the yeah, real Tiger King. That'd be good SEO. <laughs> and then that person that'd would be, be a like, horrible oh, SEO strategy. <laughs> that would be terrible. Don't do that. But your person would be like, but she's a girl. <gasps> oh my god, my person. Thank you for chatting marvel with me it's strange like knowing you for so long we don't have that many firsts anymore and this is a real first i know we've we uh have surpassed a lot of many a first in our life <laughs> i was panicking because i was like okay let's dive into this but i think we 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 went through it like uh two bays and a pod like two bros baby <laughs> we're professionals yeah but i couldn't even pronounce the names Squirrel girl. Squirrel girl. <laughs> okay. Love you. Love you. I have a headache. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs>